0: This is Adam Tafel, and you're listening to The Success Recipe. Cool, so on the podcast today on The Success Recipe, we have an amazingly talented guy. He has had an amazing career, done many things. Uh, We're going to find out more about that later, but uh, today I have joining me Calvin Taylor. Brother, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. How's everything? <laughs>
0: yeah, good man. Yeah, good, good. How are you? Uh, how are you uh, holding it down during lockdown?
1: <laughs> coping, coping with lockdown here in New Zealand is—it's uh, been pretty interesting. So um, yeah, just keeping fitness, keeping busy, um, trying to do auditions um, in a safe space. <laughs> so I have to have friends pre-record things and send it to me. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, it's been. I can't complain man I'm grateful I think everyone was uh, a bit on a treadmill so it's a bit of a break and everyone needed it for sure
0: mm. yeah yeah I mean obviously you're uh, originally from the states and a lot of questions about that sort of dynamic as well and there's there's a, a plenty to talk about with your career as well but obviously you just said like you know we're in lockdown here in New Zealand. Um, what's your What's your thoughts and feelings about how kind of we're dealing with the pandemic and obviously back in America, everyone's out enjoying their summer, um, got their, their freedoms and everything like that. Like, how, how have you personally felt about having to go through lockdown here? Uh, I think the
1: lockdown here has has been uh, handled as, as best as it possibly can, to be honest. Um, I feel like America is sort of like a, a controlled plane crash. <laughs> it's 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 going down but it's still like somewhat controlled so it's just like chaos in the middle of everything but I feel like uh New Zealand's doing things as as ethically as possible I, w- I would say to try to curve the the spread of the uh, the virus so yeah so I I think I think they're doing the best they can I, that that's all my assessment on it and I think I think they're doing a pretty decent job regarding that.
0: Yeah, I, I lived over there for five years myself and, and recently moved back to New Zealand, but like i got a lot of friends over there still and kind of, you know, they, they talk to me about how we're doing with it and stuff and yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting and and one thing I'll would, I would at least say is that like I'm glad to be back home during a crazy time like this, like there's nothing like kind of being home and close to loved ones and family and stuff so um, like do you have a lot of, there's a majority of your family and friends still over in the States?
1: majority of families in the states and you know they're coping with it best they can uh, my most of my family is like scattered around i got family in virginia beach new york uh, my ho- my hometown's virginia beach but got family there um, and yeah so families just kind of scattered around but i would say that they're doing the best they can most of them have panicked because of the the news went straight and got vaccines because of the news so it's 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 interesting. in America it doesn't it doesn't take much to get people to do something. You just put it on Fox or MSNBC and they're going to they're going to run and do something. So
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so what brings you to New Zealand? How long have you been here? What brought you here?
1: Man, uh, New Zealand, I, I got here in 2010. 2010, 2010. I was seeing a young lady who was from Australia and uh, we were sort of in a relationship. And it was falling apart and I prior to that I decided that me and her would try to meet each other in New Zealand. I lived uh, in Australia actually for two years prior. I was in Sydney and then I moved to Perth and I had no idea about immigration or how to like be able to continue a work visa. So I just I ended up having to go back to the states and while I was there, I told her like look I'm, I think we should just 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 go to Auckland and and see how it goes. Let's just try to meet there. But um, she was going to uni and it was more cost efficient for her to stay in Australia. So we just we both ended up parting ways for different reasons. And I just ended up here. And I ended up staying. I, my third day here, I got signed to a modeling agency uh, known as Red 11. And uh, I just met this model randomly off the street. And she just walked by, saw me. She's like, wait, you're kind of tall. She was like, have you done any modeling work before? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, locally, like, but but you know, just within Virginia. And she said, Okay, well, here, take my card. Go to this agency. Just look at this card. Call them tomorrow. Call them. They brought me in. They signed me. So yeah, that's that's how I I, I got here. It was actually off for of love, <laughs> the premise of love, and um, and then I found this country which. I did research on, but I didn't know too much about, you know, I just wanted to be able to touch the ground and get to meet more different Polynesian people and different Moldy people, because I met some Polynesians and Maldis uh, while I was in Australia, in Western Australia, Perth, and that was my first time being exposed to a lot of Polynesian culture, so I was excited to to get here, so yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: And 11 years later, you're still here.
1: Yeah. I'm still here. This this place is it's home. It's been uh, a very beautiful, very open, very safe space to be in uh, with people. You know, just it's different cultures that come here and everyone's... Um, thought, what's interesting, I feel like, about New Zealand is that I feel like everyone here is not from here for the most part. <laughs> and um, it's a place still trying to find its way and trying to do things as ethically as possible, um, in regards to human rights and trying to acknowledge their, their role in their past as, uh, as best as possible. And I think they've done a better job than a lot of other Western countries.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, especially like Auckland being, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Auckland is basically the hub of that in New Zealand. So it's definitely, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely trying to evolve and, and move forward as I guess ethically and morally as it can. <clears throat> so, so before you uh, before you came uh, to New Zealand, were you doing a lot of acting? And you said you're doing some modeling, but had you kind of cracked it in terms of acting and stuff back back over there?
1: What's interesting is I I was only doing modeling work uh, locally and in my home state home state of Virginia, I was modeling for uh, Billionaire Boys Club, which is Pharrell Williams, his clothing brand. So um, it was more of a cross-collaboration with another hip-hop clothing brand called Schmack, and so BBC, Billionaire Boys Club, and Schmack were both coming up at the same time. So Pharrell was bringing his clothing back home, this other designer was doing his clothing, and so they just paired up. And I just started modeling locally for them, and I did theater in, in, in high school, but I never thought I would end up acting, and what's interesting is most people look at me and they're like, you're American, so it's kind of smart that you went to New Zealand, and that's a backdoor route for you to start your career, and I was like, actually, I had no intentions of moving to New Zealand and acting. I just, I got here and that I just got signed to the modeling agency, and so from there, Everything just took off and um, the modeling agency was like, hey, you did any commercial work before? And I was like,
0: eh, nah.
1: And they were like, okay, we're going to put you forward for some commercials. And then it came to me, as was like, hey, you ever did acting? And I was like, yeah, I did theater in high school, but like, I didn't think it was going to be any big deal. And um, yeah, and then from there, they were like, okay, cool, we're going to put you forward for some auditions. So my love for acting and arts really didn't start in the States. It it started in New Zealand. And it's just my accent. It throws people off. So they hear it and they're like, Oh, you, you you did this in America and then you came here and I'm like, New Zealand was the place where I found what I love and that I can wake up and do every day to be honest. But yeah, in in States, yeah I did I did some modeling gigs and things of that sort and just local stuff but never thought that uh, I would into to acting and it would be practical even while i was in australia i i was just working at footlocker <laughs> there was no there was no modeling and acting i was modeling prior to that but i got to aussie and i was just trying to like find myself so that's yeah that's that's how that came about
0: <laughs> how has the work that you've done here kind of opened doors for you or um i guess impacted your recognition for roles looking to land back over in the states
1: um i think it's opened up quite a few doors to be honest in in different ways because uh it's made my journey unique in in the regard that i am african-american but i ended up going into new zealand and my work started here so when people look me up and they see that my work started in New Zealand, it's like they're trying to gauge that. Whoa, you've got a different story and perspective about how all of your your career starts and beginnings came along. And I I don't even like the term it as career. It's more of an opportunity. It's I feel like people in art, it's it's especially in acting. It's it's just an opportunity and. The fact that anyone looks at you and wants to give you an opportunity to see your value and give you a chance, I think it's a beautiful thing that they see something in you. But it's helped me uh, in in various ways just because I've been able to hopefully <laughs> make the best of each relationship and opportunity that I've had. And I, I think I've done a good job of being grateful and appreciating anyone that I've had the opportunity to work with and leave them with a, a lasting impression that they're like, you know what, this guy... He's, he's different, you know? And I, I didn't study acting at all. Like, I <laughs> I just sort of fell into it. I, I studied later here in New Zealand. I studied while I was in New Zealand, but it's something I totally fell into. So, you know, it's and that's what you, you have to do, is jump in the pool. Just jump in. It's cold, but then eventually you figure out how to swim, move around in it. So, yeah, I hope that, that answers. <laughs> nice.
0: You mentioned that like, you know, meeting uh, the Polynesians and Maori uh, culture and kind of getting to know that and stuff. And in terms of, I guess, the the acting uh, industry here, how do you feel, um, I guess, they're portrayed or utilized um, within the industry, say, compared to like, you know, African-Americans back in the United States? You know, you always see the award ceremonies and sort of, you know, the the scrutiny around who is always getting nominated and stuff like that and you know it's it's a very conscientious i guess topic and always has been and hopefully not but it seems like it always will be you know race comes into it but how do you think new zealand kind of um yeah recognizes maori and pacifica within the acting community over here
1: uh, I feel like New Zealand, they're, they're doing a good job um, representing Moldy um, culture and, um, and Pakeha, um, which is European. Um, I, think, I think with Polynesian culture, I think they're doing some things that are, that are great in strides, but I feel like there's still more to be done. Um, I feel like there's more to be done on a, on a vast scale as far as diversity goes. And uh, I actually just got be writing an article uh, that I submitted to two media companies here. And I won't say their names because I don't, I don't want to bash them <laughs> or anything of that sort. But the subject matter was based upon me being, I was the first African-American male on reality TV here in New Zealand um, with my stint on Condine With Me. And uh, they were the first African female that had her stint on reality TV Her name was Ajo Chol, and she was on the very first season of New Zealand's Next Top Model in 2009. And I just looked at those two, the parallel of my experience and her experience, and seeing how that played out for uh, representation on the TV screen. And I'm not too sure how Ajo's doing. So I've been just always really curious about her story, and just about if there's if there has been any other Africans on TV because there's African performers that they do want to act, they do want to perform here, but they feel like they, they're not considered Kiwi. So I, I wrote this article and um, those two media outlets um, rejected it. One of them I've actually written an article for before and they accepted that article but because it was talking about Um, And and in my conversation, I wrapped up my my article very nicely because it started off initially about me and Agile, but it it led into me explaining about the importance of diversity all around in a very holistic way that um, the person that controls images controls minds. And what I mean by that is when a person can start seeing themselves on screen, it gives them something to relate to. Um, from a um, from a very human point of view, and as a child, if you're watching a TV screen and you don't see anyone that looks like you that often, then it it can be daunting, you know. So and I I was explaining that's how Fast and Furious works so well. It works so well as a franchise because everyone can look at someone on that film and go, man, that could be me, you know. And the fact that, you know, they've, they've had a multi-actor in there recently, uh, Shouts to Vinny Bennett, you know, that played um, the young Dominic Toretto. Like, that in itself is is beautiful, but it shows diversity works in itself. But um, I'm, I'm not for sure if everyone's open for that that topic. So diversity, I feel like, is uh, a, a subject that people tend to use as its social... Uh, it's just for, like, social PR. It sounds good on paper, and they are I feel like they're open-minded diversity-wise when it comes to sexual things. Sexuality affects every ethnic group. But unfortunately, race relations doesn't affect every ethnic group. So they can kind of turn a blind eye or close their ear towards certain subjects that, that might not fit well with what they want out. So.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting you say that because... Um you know in new zealand what we were the first country to give ladies the vote right but um yeah i think the 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 diversity thing is that's that's still uh you know in a, in a stage of of struggle um and yeah i mean there's been some great shows you know talking about the panthers that recently came out to really you know my my fiance she's she's british she yeah yeah my 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 fiance she's british right but she 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 wasn't aware of i guess the um the struggles that Polynesians had to endure, you know, in the '70s and '80s, like you know, my, my my father and stuff, and so that's only literally been brought to light recently.
1: Yeah, no, the the what the Polynesian Panthers went through, what the Polynesian community went through with the dawn raids, period, that whole experience. I mean, it's beautiful um, that uh, the, the Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern she gave that acknowledgement of. The situation that, that happened and that's how a society begins to heal is through acknowledgement you know um, when there's no acknowledgement you know there's no change because the person's is not willing to admit there's a problem so um, just a slight slight compare real quick um, it's like the situation in America where America had a role in you know the human trafficking of Africans and bringing Africans to America or even genocide of Native Americans but there's no real acknowledgement of it. It's just something that happened and they're like, Okay, you're here, let's not talk about it And so when you kick crumbs underneath the carpet, it starts molding and smelling. And so what happened is is people keep complaining and upset that race relations keep being brought up, but it's like you never sorted your mess. You took your mess and you kicked it underneath the carpet. And it's like, no, you've gotta you've gotta clean it. And the way to clean it is is to have acknowledgement. So the fact that New Zealand has had acknowledgement here regarding that, um, even next door in Australia with um, the Aborigines people, you know, the fact that there was an acknowledgement. I know there was an Olympic year around that, so I don't know if that was PR, <laughs> but um, but the fact that there was an acknowledgement of, of some sort. That's that's how a society begins to heal. They start to have a consciousness about how to deal with other ethnic groups and other people and be mindful that uh, th- these people have been through a fair bit. So yeah, the, the Polynesian Panther story, the the whole story of what Pacifica has been through here in New Zealand is uh, it, it's powerful. And uh, I and I hope I want that program to to make it across the board onto Netflix in the US. I want people in the states, African Americans, every every culture, but, but specifically because it was a Black Panther, you know, chapter in New Zealand, African Americans need to hear this story, yeah. and so I'm I'm doing all I can. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing all I can to make sure that diversity is is on the forefront because people's stories need to be heard and they need to be told. And yeah,
0: and I think I think it's important what you said about you know like it's important for for children to see themselves represented, you know, on TV on the big screen. And for me, like, a, a, an amazing sort of. Moment in the past couple of years, um, you know, was Chadwick playing Black Panther like that movie was so dope, and also to see the impact that he had on you know the African American community and young children. And you know, they're like, We've never seen like Superman is white, like, all these superheroes have never been of color. And I mean, the impact that Black Panther, you know, rest in peace, like, that was amazing,
1: yeah, 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 totally. Chadwick, uh, and just how he handled that role, just how uh, Chadwick yeah. has a, a certain amount of—he um, has just this elegance and classic. Um, he has a very classical way of performing uh, that comes out that I don't see in a lot of a lot of actors. But um, but he definitely came up in a very theater background, and so he hones this sort of um, prestige. You can feel it when, it when he's performing, that it's coming out in a certain way, that it's, uh, it's regal. So they, they cast the right, the right actor for, for Black Panther, just off the fact that he has a very regal to his performance. And yeah, just being able to see that was fantastic. I think the only person that would ever have an issue with that is Wesley Snipes, because he was Blade. And also probably <laughs> Michael J. White, because he was Spawn. So they'll both contest, like, wait a minute, we yeah. were the first African of the superheroes. But shouts exactly. to Blade, shouts yeah. to Spawn. <laughs> exactly. But big love yeah. to, to Black Panther. Yeah, I think it was the African connection that, 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 that did it. And then in, in this time period, too, it's it's able to be marketed in, in another way. So.
0: Mm. so you've done a lot of work. You know, I've looked through all the stuff you've done. Um, you've also obviously you have quite a passion for comedy as well so like what is your true passion in terms of where you wanted to take your career is it more of a serious role or are you more leaning towards the comedic side of things
1: i i think i like being in a sandbox in general i, I like coming in and uh, what how i what i end up realizing about about me pursuing acting and what i fell in love with was the fact that you get to play dress up every day and you get to tell stories. And I'm like, who wouldn't want to play dress-up and just be a character? It's Halloween, essentially. It's child's play. So you get to play every day. And if someone likes the way that you play, then you have an opportunity out of that to show show your, your Rolodex and your talents. And, yeah, so I love, I love comedy, but I love... Any any role all around, honestly, I, I like just being able to try to bring something to life and honor the writer in the, in the best way possible, you know, and uh, bring some humanity to it. But uh, comedy, comedy I absolutely adore because it, it just, we need laughter. Like in times like this, what we're dealing with, everyone's trying to keep their mental health together and and stay nice and sane and stable during this lockdown and people have to deal with themselves or their spouse, <laughs> you know, and I think laughter is what saves uh, humanity all around. I think the ability to laugh about things and our differences, you know, um, that I, I feel like we're not above um, reproach and critique, like that's how we we move ahead and even if um, we, we make jokes about our, our differences, I, I think that's what that's the beauty of everything I mean even I would say with the LGBTQ community I mean Ellen Ellen DeGeneres made her career off cracking jokes on other people and joking on herself so I feel like comedy all around is a place it's a platform where people can still express themselves and it's not malicious it's just it's just highlighting social points that and social differences that we can observe that people see that they don't say that they can find humor in and it might open up dialogue for deeper discussions and 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 it just i think it heals people laughter heals people so i'm all for comedy and being as a performer i just want to make people feel great i want to make people feel great and if i can do that through comedy great if i can do that as being a villain and they just love me being a villain then then fantastic but I'm humble because I'm still I'm still on my way up, you know, and I, I think uh, that's the beauty of this journey is that it's a slow drip for me. It's has been a slow drip.
0: Yeah, nice. What do you think of the New Zealand humor?
1: New Zealand humor? Ah, uh, New Zealand humor. It's great. It's great. It's different. It's different for sure. It's very different. Yeah, very different. Because I uh, I think there's a sort of a british influence on it a little bit you know it's a little dry humor as well um and yeah it's 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 different in a sense that i would say for for an american americans they tend to like wet humor it's just in your face it's raw they're just saying whatever the most offensive thing that you would not think of it's just very blunt British is, um, as far as the UK goes, their humor is more of, they'll say something, it's subtle, but you might get it maybe two minutes later, because you have to sit and think about what just happened, and you're like, oh, now I get it, so, um, I feel like QB comedy is a mix of both to some degree, I think there's a bit of, like, you know, sometimes it's just overt, like, chaos that will happen and then there is a bit of like british humor and satire that's thrown in so i think i think it's a it's a mix of both but i i like kiwi humor it's it's different
0: <laughs> it, yeah it's it's very different has, has has living here for the past 10 years um sort of not confused but like made it hard for you to kind of stay true to i guess american comedy roots and then also like you know kind of being somewhere morph of both
1: yeah. Um, no. I. No. I think it, it. It. I think. No. I think I can. I can see the difference between both of them of uh, the comedy styles and just humor, society, slang. I feel like all around what it's done is it it opened my mind to a whole different rolodex of just different ways that you can look at something, the perspectives, or ways that you can perform something. So I think if anything, it's sort of enhanced. That that um, how I look at humor and how I look at slang and communicating, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't think it's it's been a, any kind of hindrance or detriment. I feel like it's been an advancement. So and it, and that's the the beauty of living in, in, in another culture is that it um, even even dating another culture, which I've I've done a lot. <laughs> my track record but but with dating in another culture or being or living amongst another culture it questions your ideas of what you thought was normal what you thought was okay what you used to think was wrong it opens up your mind in a way that is profound and I I love that challenge and that beauty of finding humanity in our differences and it just makes you more wiser how you grow and how you operate so
0: yeah. because yeah, one obviously one Kiwi who's uh, you know done quite well in, in terms of taking his his visions and his his ways and especially his comedy around the world is Taika Waititi and you know I've just started watching uh, Reservation Dogs. I don't know if you've seen Reservation Dogs, but he still used that humour and I mean he uses humour in multiple ways, you know, to tell a story, to evoke emotion, not just humour. Um, but yeah, that Reservation Dogs, I mean that is. <laughs> That's been pretty well received over in the U.S.
1: Yeah, no, his his sense of humor um, it's 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 transcended from New Zealand to to there, and that's what makes Kiwis very unique to Hollywood in general, is that they have a different uh, perspective and not just performance, but just in a sense of um, in humor as well, and I think that's worked for him. it's worked for Jermaine Clement Clement, Clement uh, it's worked for several different actors that have transitioned from here to America. Reese Darby, anyone that has worked on any U.S. productions, um, it's it's worked out profoundly. Yeah, it's a Taika. Taika's definitely taken uh, his humor and it. it's got, it's flown. It's flown like he's got free guy right now, you know, with with, with Ryan. You and, um, know, and I'm I'm happy for exactly that. I'm happy for yeah, that. He's, he's... Yeah, the story of those two because they they just they worked together on Green Lantern. And they built this friendship that just transcended all of that. That was a DC property. <laughs> and now they're you know, they're working together in on Marvel and it, it's they were co actors, you know, they were they were co stars. And now one's directing more so, one's acting, now they're back to being co stars on Free Guy. And that's just like what it is. That's what it means to be in the industry is if you you can build genuine relationships and connections with people and value people it it goes a long way like gratitude humility it, grow, it goes a long way and i'm i'm so happy for taika you know from where he started you know um, way back at, with the whale rider to where he's at now like i'm so thrilled about his whole story he's such a big influence on i would say new zealand culture as a whole just just representing and doing his best as,
0: as an adult and as a human right? given the current climate obviously with with COVID-19 heavily impacting the world and stuff um, and being in the the industry that you're in what has the impact been of um, you know TikTok and Instagram you see a lot of people who are TikTok famous you put up one video you get a million hits you're done like but you know a lot of actors and a lot of people within the industry you know they may not take that route they might go you know it's for the art you you study you 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 work hard you grind and then you see these people just do it overnight like is is it kind of evolving the way you kind of break into the industry or is there some aspect of the industry that is still like if you've if you've gone through the the trenches you know it's more beneficial than kind of getting the one and done TikTok vid type thing like what's it like at the moment going through the industry
1: uh it is. It's interesting when You, you uh, when you'll go out for an audition, which happened often in L.A., you'll go out for an audition and there would be a YouTuber or a tiktoker. And depending on their following, they might get the gig, not because of uh, talent, talent per se, but it's the marketability of that person for the fact that they have a following. Uh, the tricky side to that is is if they book someone that just has a great following but they don't have the skill set or they haven't taken the time to actually study in the profession that they're being hired for, then you're not going to get the most professional performer involved or they won't even have the skill set to be able to maintain and they might actually be a nightmare to your production because you have to constantly critique them, monitor them, direct them, move them, you know, so... It's hit or miss, uh, and and that's what the whole influencer thing uh, about that was like a in, massive influencer bubble. I'll say like five years ago, where everything was like, oh, we need an influencer. Let's get an influencer for our clothing brand. And let's let's sell our clothes to this influencer, you know, or just give it to them and then they'll market it. I think that's so it's died down. Uh, social media does play a part on, in uh, in a, in a sense of social proof, and so I think um, social proof means that people are able to acknowledge that you, people, you have an audience. So I think there's pros and cons to doing uh, YouTube and TikTok and Instagram or Snapchat uh, as far as video content-wise. I think it's great uh, for, for performers. Uh, I think for actors, a lot of actors get involved in it once their career has gotten to a place where they can sit back and they've got leisure time. So they shoot on a show for six months and then while they're shooting on the show or after they, they're done shooting, then they do their little TikTok videos. And it's fun and entertaining for their audience. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, but as far as the overnight success thing of, of TikTok and Instagram, I think that that can be really great and also really tricky and damaging. And what I mean by that is it's great in the sense that you – you may get opportunities off that immediately, but then after getting this opportunity or seemingly a bit of success or fame, you can lose yourself in that equally as fast and, um, and start to not have a lot of humility because you get it so quickly. You get, it, you, get the, you get instant gratification overnight from just running around and maybe running naked on a video. You know, or doing antics, you know, and so and and also with that, it's a dangerous side too when it comes to production companies or producers that might be scoping you, because if you're willing to do anything on camera, then they're like, oh, let's just get this guy in the room and just see what else he's willing to do or, or her, you know, what they're willing to do to to be seen. Let's just put some money on the table and let's just see what they do, and I think that's very very dangerous, you know, for for performers uh, in general. So I, I, I have mixed feelings about the, the TikToker uh, person, um, not because of their talent, but I just hope that they're being safeguarded. And so when I said earlier that my career has been a slow drip, I mean, a slow drip in the sense that I've had gigs here and there, but I haven't skyrocketed in a way where I'm Dwayne the Rock Jonathan so and i i'm'm I'm, I'm thankful for that because that journey has humbled me in a way that i I think if I got it very quickly, I might not have been able to know how to handle it and I would need the right support unit of people around me to um, be able to negate and keep my mind in a in a very stable and safe place, you know, where I'm not losing myself and this idea that I'm successful, you had an opportunity and success is not owed to you. Some people feel like success is owed to them. I've been doing acting for 11 years, I would say, professionally, 11, 11, maybe going on 12, but I don't feel like anything's owed to me. You know, uh, it's borrowed time. Success is borrowed time. You get a highlight there. It's that fifteen minutes is borrowed time and then you have to keep going. So you have to love the when it's up and you gotta love when it's seemingly down. As long as you're active in what you do, whether it's acting, art, any any form of art is DIY. It's a lot of DIY involved. It's a lot of do it yourself and it takes courage to invest in yourself. But that's what you should do if you if you want to you know have an opportunity is believe in yourself and 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 it sounds cheesy but but if you don't believe in yourself you know you may end up working for someone else that believed in themselves and they might not have much planned for you (laughs) you might be just another employee on a notch. so and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with working with anyone else you you that's what you have to do in life life is about People and co- collaboration—you have to be able to collaborate with people, so you're always going to work for somebody in some degree. But what I mean by it is doing something you love. It's doing something you love that you can wake up and do every day, and invest in yourself if you if that makes you happy, you know. Um, so yeah, so, so a TikToker uh, thing—I I think it's it's great, but I would just advise them: stay humble, be careful, and one good plus about that is you get to build your audience. And by building your audience, you have leverage. You do have leverage. Leverage in a sense um, in business that they will will sign you on and you can go, okay, cool, well, either I can work with you guys or I can just keep making money on YouTube. Like, if you don't want to hire me, I'll just keep making money on on TikTok. And I'm cool with that. But if you want to hire me... Cool. So from a business point of view, it's brilliant because you have leverage of audience, you know. Um, so And that's a great way to safeguard yourself because no one can cancel you at, at any given moment. You only cancel yourself when you stop making videos. So, <laughs> so I think that's the uh, – I, I, I tell people no one can cancel you at the end of the day. Like as long as you can communicate, you can withstand anything if you have communication you can overcome anything if you're able to communicate and keep going and if you can keep making content you'll survive So,
0: you mentioned um, earlier that you, you, you tried to write, uh, you wrote two articles um, and then you've also mentioned in the, the information you sent through to me that you did write a piece um, for the Herald as well, so is is writing um, also a passion of yours and something that you do um, you know, consistently in between your acting gigs, or was that kind of just something that that popped up at the time, um, given the subject matter that you wrote about?
1: Yeah, no, writing uh, has become a passion of mine, um, and I I I gotten that passion out of uh, going through hardship when I was younger, um, just dealing with things that put me in a position where I had to defend myself, whether that was an incident at high school with a student, and I had to write the teacher, the school board. I, I've, I think uh, different people, especially if you're in, of a different ethnic group and you've grown up in a Western society, you're always put in a position where you've got to prove your humanity. And I would try to always improve on expressing myself and also being able to defend myself because at face value, if you're brown, you're not trusted immediately on face value. Sometimes, depending on what environment you walk into, they might look at you and be like, we're not sure about this guy. Let's keep an eye on him. You know, so because of that, that, that lack of humanity, you tend to have to prove more of your worth, especially if you're a male. Especially if you're a male. You're male and you're brown. You're a target, you know? So, um... I tell people the only the only three things that are loved on this earth unconditionally are women, children, and animals. If you're a man, you are loved under the condition you provide something. So because of that understanding, I I really try to take the time to talk to men as well to try to empower them to let them know their worth. I'm I'm not pro men's rights i'm not pro women's rights i'm pro human rights and human rights women men and children are all included in that but i i do feel like men have it harder <laughs> than um a lot of other groups uh in different ways so everybody i, I think has their, their pros and cons they have their positives and their negatives you know a woman can get into a nightclub for free you know, and the man, he's got to pay $25 at the door. So it's like, you know, they, they've got good social, social things that, you know, women are very socially apt, that they, they have these advantages. And sometimes it's beauty related, but that's just the way it is. So society is sexist. It, it 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 is on both sides. So it's like, what, what can we do about it? Oh, I percent.
0: Yeah. I mean, if the bouncers were females, it'd probably go the other way.
1: Yeah, it might go the other way. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean... That, that would be interesting, you know, but uh, it's not...
0: coming. you're paying 20.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not many, though, that sign up for, like, a gig, you know, to just, like, defend, you know, men that are coming in, you know? <laughs> you know, it's even in the work, workforce, it's some of the jobs... It's sort of very off-subject, but some of the jobs where women uh, will sign up to, they tend to do more jobs that are social-related. Um, that's, like, nursing, social work um most of, some of them don't sign up for tech some do sign up for tech you know but I don't feel like there's been any real discrimination and opportunities in some places I think in, in, in some environments it can be you know there's there's always abuse of power we've seen abuse of power with that was on the news with Ellen and she's a lady so it's just like abuse of power can happen on both sides it, it doesn't matter who's who's in the position, but I think on a, on a job front, I think a lot of women tend to pick jobs that are social and it's not tech or technology related per se. Maybe architecture, maybe that. Maybe architecture, maybe engineering, but for the most part, a lot of jobs are social related. So it's the men and women dynamic is very interesting, but I, I feel like they've kind of got everybody quarrel, quarreling together lately. And it's, um, I think people have lost sight of, like, love and companionship. But back to your question, which is about my passion for writing. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I took you on the highway way off to the left. But let's veer it back, all right? We're, we're
0: on a journey today. We're on a journey today.
1: From Route 66. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, but back with, with writing. Uh, yeah, my love of writing just came from having to defend myself often as a, as a male and all, as a brown person and trying to find better ways to express myself and like I, like I said earlier while we're talking communication if you can communicate you can withstand the the why and how you know you can withstand a lot of a lot of things in life if you're able to express yourself when you're not able to express yourself and you internalize it then your mental health gets put at, at, at risk um, and Internalizing things, it, it damages you from not being able to to share and talk. And that's why I feel like with all subjects all around, whether that's humor, whether that's men and women's relations, I think all levels of society um, should be able to, to talk and express themselves, even if they're wrong express themselves, I mean, and, and wrong is, can be s- subjective, but what I mean by wrong, it, it, it's like, in a sense of, does it sound fair? Does it sound balanced? If you allow that person to express themselves, and they have the patience and collaboration to hear you as well, then you can grow out of that. You can grow out of that. So, um, but yeah, writing just came from wanting to defend myself. So I wrote that article for the New Zealand Herald which was uh, about um, about me being an African-American and during Black Lives Matter in New Zealand, how that affected me, and uh, just some key points and some messages that uh, I feel like would help society as a whole and different, different things that uh, affected the African-American community that people might not have been privy to, but it affects all ethnic groups all around uh, in terms of colorism with the... Uh, the the color black and uh... what that what that means and where it came from its origins a lot of people have no idea about the origins of how did people start calling each other black and white it's just something people are just born into and we do but it's only between certain ethnic groups you know you never find someone that's asian that will say as a yellow person i feel this they don't identify themselves as such they, 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 they never would and, uh, Something recently that happened, the Stop Asian Hate situation where there was a shooting in Atlanta and in, in the States where a guy went to apparently a massage parlor and shot up the the entire massage parlor, apparently and killed quite a few Asian women that were working, working at the parlor. Um, there was the campaign for Stop Asian Hate and people were very interested in, in watching the situation because they were wondering why there wasn't much pushback on Stop Asian Hate but there was pushback on black lives matter and what I what I found interesting is that what people were not recognizing is that people can humanize the word Asian they they can recognize that they can humanize it a color they can't humanize because it's a color it sounds like it's a subgroup and it sounds like you're saying your group of color is better than someone else's group of color so a lot of the the issues surrounding race relations and the resistance against equality or diversity when it comes to race relations is largely tied up in terminology of saying your group is better than someone else's group and that's not really what you're saying what you're saying is Africans are being killed in the states, that's it but because you're not saying the word African and you're using the color code it it puts people at an edge where they're like, oh, well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Are you saying your group is exceptional? Like, grief is universal. You're not exceptional. So, um, so yeah. So, I was just explaining that. that Between that and there not being an acknowledgement. As in, like, what happened with the dawn Raids. America doesn't have an acknowledgement of its past. So, it keeps people in the cycle of fighting and arguing. It'll go away for a bit. You won't hear anything about a shooting. Trust me. Like, clockwork, it'll probably be another shooting in another month. And it'll be this huge outrage. And then it will be a protest behind it. And as long as they're yelling and screaming at each other, we're not really coming to a true resolve, then we can keep them at bay and make money off them. That's part of what the new article that I wrote that was getting a lot of resistance was about. It was about um, the fact that division... There's profit in division. There's profit in outrage. And there's no true resolve being found whether people are fighting between genders about men and women whether there's people fighting about race relations um, people fighting about lgbtq people fighting about covid vaccines they knew with covid vaccines what would happen on a society front they knew half the population would probably get vaccinated the other half would spend time not sure about it arguing and so, my article <laughs> my article highlighted that, so I'm like, "Oh, I think I might have said too much, but I don't necessarily care i don't I don't feel like nothing can stop what is meant for me, my journey and my career, my opportunity. I care more about humanity, um human, kind, human, and kind put that together. That's all I care about um and it's it's things that are bigger than me, and that's." That's what I feel like is impactful. Um, is 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 I think early in life things are about you when you're younger, and I tell people your first name is for you, but as you get older, your last name is what's gonna hold hold its weight. That's that's gonna be what you're gonna be remembered by is your last name, and what what are you leaving people behind? So, I find myself at at a, at a point where I just I. I I just really care for, for people, uh, humankind, that they, they get these understandings that how society works in, in different ways. And there's a lot of money being made. Whenever there's a protest or there's some sort of outrage, a corporation will co-op that social movement, whether it's, you know, um, Stop Asian Hate or if it's Black Lives Matter. They'll co-op it and go, we can make money off this. All right, let's get us uh, African let's... Put him in the show. Let's get us an Asian. Yep, yep. He's gonna be the new lead. He's the new lead in the film, and it's great. That works for my career in my industry. But Nike will do it. Toyota will do it. And it's all of this to get some some sort of social gain. It's not. It's not genuine. It's not. I can't say it's 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 actually generosity. It's disingenuous, and in, in a lot of different ways that. That's the time they're like, oh, let's let's put let's put an LGBTQ person here. Let's make him the lead. It's like, why weren't you doing that all along? Like, just tell good stories and 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 be genuine. Don't put people in films for like social checkpoints because you're hoping people are gonna watch it. And it's hip now. We got a hip hop song on it. Hip hop's popular right now, so let's get some beats and drums. You know, things like that. I'm surprised a lot of society cannot spot. I spot it and I look at it and I'm like, ah, this is cringe. Why are they doing this? It's like, make a genuine good purpose and story and let it come from the heart. Just put people in that for the right reasons. But that's what goes on. And so, as long as people are fighting, you know, someone's making money off of it. And I just wanted people to understand that, you know, you have to spot the bigger picture of what's going on here. Is that someone is profiting off you guys fighting at the end of the day. So, as long as people can't galvanize to see that, they can't come together to see they're being played by greedy people. These greedy people that are up here in the top of their buildings, they're making money. It's like, flee leave them all yelling and fighting at the bottom. As long as they're screaming and yelling at each other and not at us, we're good. 23 genders? Let's let them fight with each other. Yay, more splits. You know, so... I, I I really want people to get back to the fundamentals and foundations of of society and love. And everyone should be able to love whoever they, they want to love. But to not keep dividing each other up into into separate entities. And, and then it becomes about your subgroup. And so you're not really fighting for human rights. You're fighting for your own group. Whether you're being... I, I call it being too-ist whether you're the too uh communist or feminist or i don't know ist if you' you're too far left you become a robot you lose your humanity you don't start seeing things on a very leveled human way and you know that can come out of victimization and i tell people grief is grief is universal grief is universal and 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 not to say that your grief doesn't it doesn't account for but we're all going through something so you have to try to think about everybody when you're getting your message across you try to think about what everyone is going through it's not just about your people or yourself and you got a flat tire you could have a flat tire I, like, I, I could have a flat tire right now I have no idea but if I go outside and I have a flat tire do I need to go take the rest of my day and be in a mood with other people and the, the answer is no because someone next door probably just lost a grandfather. Someone else across the hall may not know how they're gonna pay their rent, you know, so. I'm saying across the hall because I'm in an apartment right now, so. <laughs> Give away my location, don't find me. <laughs> it's gonna run off camera. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So,
0: a- uh, yeah, nice. Um, so a huge influence, obviously, w- with with where we've come from, and obviously, you know, in your younger younger life as well. Um, as someone who's travelled and, and lived overseas, you know, I did it for five years in the states. You know, it was my mid twenties, and for me, it was a very um, you know transformative time. You know, basically, when you're on the other side of the world and you don't have family and friends close by, like you're you're in survival mode, and you learn you learn about not just the world and other cultures like you said and other people and and dating other cultures and understanding that but like you learn a lot about yourself as well and you learn how to survive so being here for 11 years like what do you feel like you've learned that you maybe would not have learned or experienced had you just stayed and still been in the US right now like what has traveling and living abroad given you?
1: I've learned to understand that we're all going through similar struggles and no matter where we are geographically on earth. And what I mean by that is you'll meet people here in Auckland that are concerned about how they're going to pay their rent. And maybe they don't like some things that are going on with, like some policies maybe in the government, or they feel like their people aren't being fully acknowledged. And, you know, or they feel like their community is being shoved off into like one corner the city and they they put a liquor store there they put a church there and put fast food there and it's like as long as there's liquor stores churches fast food we've got them off into their own world but um it's just understanding everyone's going through um th- they have the same concerns it's, it's finding your humanity and all of this and that that's what i started to realize is that everyone's struggles are exactly the same it doesn't matter where they are, they're concerned about safety, being able to feed their family, um, being able to have warmth, you know, um, and and being good, good, good housing, you know, um, because there's a fair bit of um, housing issues that have happened uh, throughout Auckland and with people trying to stay warm during the winter and not be sleeping in someone's garage or in their car. Um, but these things happen everywhere, you know, uh, even in LA. Uh, I've, I've been in that position as an actor where I was, I, I went to Los Angeles and I didn't have a plan. So I ended up sleeping in my car, you know, and I've seen, I just, I knew it was my, my time to go to LA. I said, I just I have to do it at some point. I need to just go and I just went, you know, but no one ever knew that because I was so clean and I, I, I took care of myself so well that it wasn't. It wasn't noticeable, and that, that's almost like a rite to passage for most actors. There's a lot of actors that were couch surfing, homeless, sleeping in a car before their career took off. You'll hear that very often, especially L.A., because L.A. is expensive. But what, in New Zealand and, and being here, I just found out everyone's struggles are the same, and it, it put me in perspective to know that what I thought I knew about the world and being in America...
0: Nice. And uh, have you been able to get on board with the Kiwi sport, rugby and, and cricket, or are you still uh do you still follow NBA, NFL or you know, the sports back home?
1: I I like sports in general, but like I haven't been able to follow any any sports really. Uh, just because I feel like I've been down in the trenches like trying to stay active with like building with with my opportunities that may come my way, and, and, and creating opportunities, and that's the cool thing about being an artist is that you get to create opportunities and meet people and collaborate. So your collaboration skills is 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 what matters with everything. What can you? What value can you bring to somebody else's life more than just about your life and. Your career and stuff. Same with relationships. Back to relationships again. <laughs> it's it's not your independence. It's it's your collaboration that matters. Is how can how good are you working with people, and 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 that's what determines value. in, in, in a sense, because life is about people. It's it's bigger than than uh than me and my and me 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 me. Because you'll find out very quickly no one likes you yeah. when you talk about me 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 me. <laughs> but yeah so um so yeah but I, I follow uh, some sport I I think um I I don't understand rugby fully I'm still watching it but I don't understand it fully I went to the NRL 9s like several years ago and that was a great experience I was I was humbled someone invited me up to to the box so I got to sit up there at the top Nice, But I I think with sports, sports is one of those things where you you don't need to know the rules of everything. You just, you'll you'll fall in love with it off the energy and the fact that everyone's chanting and they're rooting and they're excited, you know, for for whatever color team they're going for or whatever, you know, whatever team they're excited. They're just going for it. And that in itself, that human bonding connection, which kind of missing right now because of covid but <laughs> but uh that human connection with everyone being together that's the where the excitement comes from so i still need to learn more about rugby footy over in aussie uh cricket here i, I still need to learn more about it but i i will in due time i will in due time i'm, I'm sure of it i'm sure because it, it's a big staple big staple here
0: yeah i mean one thing i'll say is that you know i got to go to to NBA games, you know, baseball and stuff like that, and I mean, I mean, unreal, like, you guys do it big, like, massive stadiums, so, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was blown away, I, I enjoyed that, man, sports, sports over there is is done right, like, here it's cool, but, like, you know, there's no real sort of, you know, over there it's kind of similar to, like, how you see football in, in, in the UK, you know, like, you literally, two supporters from the different teams cannot be next to each other like they'll literally kill each other whereas here it's just like oh you support australia nah it's just you, you can just sit you can go co- you can coexist and you know that's nice but to have that rivalry and like the yeah exactly but you know when the the rival team comes through and you're just hurling sort of you know abuse at the players and they, it's just part of it you know they just take it i don't know why but they just they, they accept it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that's that yeah, that's that's America and the UK. I mean, New Zealand is very community minded. They're very community minded. I, I think that's a beautiful thing to not go too far left for a group, for your subgroup, and then lose your humanity. But that in the divided states, that's why I call it. In the divided states it happens there all the time and obviously in Europe, you know, they have their own issues being on borders and stuff like that and so yeah, they really take their sport to the next level. I mean but that passion is, it's admirable, you know. So uh, mm.
0: it was, it was, it was interesting because I was playing rugby over there. So, um, and and the Americans, obviously, yeah, yeah. So I was playing, and 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 we would obviously go to different states and stuff, and to experience Americans, I guess, uh, adopting the, uh, you know, the ethos or you know the the general, uh, you know, the the down ethics of rugby is just like on the field, you want to kill a man, but after that, you'll actually go to the pub and have a drink with them. Like, and the Americans, they're like, man, it's such a it's such a gentleman's game. Like, you'll literally want to kill you on the field, but as soon as the whistle blows, like, you're best friends. Like, you, you share your life experiences and stuff like that. And so, as a culture, for me, you know, for me, the culture of rugby being transported around the world, like, for me, that was pretty deep because I also, in a past life I was a dancer as well, so I did a lot of research into breakdancing and hip hop culture and, and hip hop as a culture. Yeah. So hip hop dance and where that came from, similar to rugby, like it doesn't matter what your skin colour is if you break dance, like the language you speak is dance. And so to have that with rugby as well, it was like they didn't care who you were. Like you played rugby, so you were a rugby player. And, and, and that was the culture. And it's the same as hip-hop culture and, and breaking, you know. You're a b-boy, you're a b-girl. The language you speak is dance. And, you know, the arts and sports can be powerful like that. Like, that's, that's how the rest of the world should see humanity. Like, there's no division. Like, y- you break, you have a battle, three rounds, I'm going to kill you. But then afterwards. did
1: it. After nothing. Dap up, respect.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, exactly.
1: Man, that that must have been interesting. You played rugby in the states like that. Like, which part were the states? Were you in?
0: <clears throat> so I was living in um I was living in Boston for five years. So, yeah, inter- interesting place to live. Interesting place to live in the north, northeast. But um, yeah, th- obviously through rugby, um, you know, had a lot of different cultures coming through. I mean, there are a lot of Irish, I actually met a lot of other Kiwi guys who would come through, a lot of Australians, South Africans, um, and then a lot of Af- African-Americans as well. And, you know, people say what they, you know, they have their opinions about Massachusetts and Boston, but when, it, like I said, within the rugby, within the rugby that didn't exist, you know, which was good for us outsiders, us non-Americans. And, um, and you know, a lot of people, you know, talked about the the mass holes and stuff like that, and I just said, uh, and you might feel the same here. Like honestly, I had an accent, so I was foreign. Like people just love me, like
1: yeah, they do. People in the didn't states. hate me.
0: Yeah,
1: in the states, you're you're gold. Like you've got a different accent, you're you're from somewhere else. You're absolute gold. You'll pick up whoever you was, want. You know, money. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're a ladies <laughs> man, you're gonna get ladies all day. Man.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know the the only sort of confusion I would get regularly is, you know, when I hopped in an Uber, I'm somewhat bronze, and if I had a bit of facial hair, they would say you know, Espanol, and I'd be like, no. So you know, that that <laughs> that was the only issues I had.
1: <laughs> Man, that's that's cool though. Like that's what I'm saying. That's the beauty of New Zealand is is people being looking ethnically ambiguous too. There's a, there's a lot of Kiwis that. You know, just even being Moldy, I think when moldies go into the states, people don't recognize that they're Moldy, so they'll assume that they're like Latin American or they're from somewhere else in South America, and 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 yeah, that's Cliff Curtis, like as an actor, that guy. You know, he played yep. every, every ethnic group. You know, and and uh, and, and he he's does covered it, all the bases. Yeah, he's covered all bases before any kind of outrage. So <laughs> he's, he's yeah. But, but, but having that is, is, is beautiful and you're, you're, you being different and you having your culture and your perspective and everything. that's beautiful to have being to bring over to the states. And I never thought about uh, rugby being how it's conducted being more of like a gentleman's type type sport. you know And uh, just you explaining that to me just gave me so much more admiration for rugby. Just in general, and how they how they go about the culture, and, and they play the games, and then after that, we're bros. You know, there's no real extreme rivalries. Most sports sports groups there's extreme like rivalries. Like you, you know, it's like ah, I don't like those guys that play for you know that team or whatever. Like New Yorkers don't like people from Boston. You know, so it's like exactly. it's extreme. Yeah. It's extreme. My fam- most <laughs> of my family's from New York. They're all, they're all from NYC. So, from all over, from Bronx to Manhattan. So, yeah, you mentioned somebody from Boston, and they're like, ah, that racist, man. <laughs> it's
0: yeah. Like, yeah it's like Irish and that's, Irish. and you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was funny. We'd play rugby against, you know, teams from New York, and same thing. Like, you know, we're like, oh, there's the Boston New York rivalry. But then after the game, That's amazing. we're having pints together. Like, it's different. It's different. And you wouldn't see that. You you wouldn't see the Yankees having a having a drink with the Red Sox, or you know, vice versa. Knicks, Celtics. That would not happen. No,
1: not at all. Not at all, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Oh wow, that must have been a great. Experience. Hey, um,
0: just a, just a random question. Like, how did you come across my podcast?
1: Oh, I came across your podcast. Um, just I I listened to bits and pieces of your podcast uh, with my friend Lucina. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know oh, if you right. know Lucina. She was uh, the New Zealand's um, first female bachelorette. Yeah, they, they kind of paired her yeah. up with a brown girl and a blonde girl. I, I, till this day, <laughs> I'm like, what was that? I like, Could we just let one person yeah. have their... Their shine, but I felt like that was New Zealand being like, well, we don't know about diversity, how it's gonna work, so let's put them together because we don't. Yeah, know. and yeah, they need to do better. <laughs> they need to do better, but you know, she ended up being exactly. on exactly. Yeah, but she she ended up being on there, and um, and me and her we met prior. We we went to I I told you I studied acting here in New Zealand. We studied with the same acting coach. Me and her, we went to. We studied with an acting coach named Michael Sicenti. he's uh, an American Sicilian he's he's Italian but from New York moved to New Zealand 25 years ago I think because of marriage and he just stayed here and he's been teaching acting ever since and he's taught some big Kiwi actors uh Anthony starr and uh, Carl urban are two of his uh, actors that he's worked with uh, that I would say probably even proteges but those are the top two actors he's worked with here. And they're both on The Boys, the Amazon TV show. It's a superhero TV show. It's real brutal and violent and bloody. They're the two leads on it. It's the number one show on Amazon. It's a superhero show. So, um, but yeah, me and Lucino, we studied with him. And I ended up getting a music video gig. I got her into the music video gig. And we just stayed in touch uh, ever since, man. She's gorgeous. Beautiful lady. Very beautiful lady. You know, she and she's a doctor. You know, she's a doctor as well too. So it's like she can break your heart and fix it all at once. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I discovered your podcast through through Lucina. I actually didn't I didn't tell her. I just like I went and I was just going through different things I was just checking up on people, seeing how they're doing. I came across the fact that you did a podcast with her, I was like, man, this is this is really cool. You know that. She's sharing her story and her journey a bit and you guys were both talking as well about about life and I, I, I was interested in wanting to find a way that I could get on a podcast and be able to just to share something more than just about my career as a part of it, but like the human aspect of things that can help people in society. So I was like, Yeah, I, I wanted to reach out to you and 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 uh, and, and do a podcast and and, and, and just be able to Provide something locally, you know. We don't know how, how vast this the market is. I mean, uh, your podcast might get. I mean, it's global, so you someone else may listen to it in Singapore. You know, you, you never know where someone's gonna listen to it. But it's just about getting out good messages. That's the beauty of the what, what we live in, which I, I call the age of um, sharing. We live in the age of sharing. Where back in the day, we couldn't do this on our own. We thought we would need probably like five thousand dollars worth. You know, or, or five dollars, probably 50 grand worth of equipment to be able to sit here and talk to each other. And we probably did. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, the fact that, yeah. but the fact that we can go on YouTube now and generation, you know, I also call it generation search. If you can mine information, you're a very powerful person. That you're resourceful. You're resourceful at finding stuff and not giving up and um this young generation that's what they're good at they're good at searching looking up information hopefully if they're you know if they're interested in it but trying to read deeper into things but if they want to do something they'll go and figure out how to do it where older generations will just look at that computer and like, i don't know about that thing, technology scared of that thing now nah, well we gotta press a button mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so but that's yeah that's that's how I came across you it's, it's just the fact that you know you're, oh. we're able to share things and this is beautiful this is beautiful thank you I'm, I'm grateful oh, nice, man. you've got me on
0: <laughs> that's cool I'm glad that you were able to, to kind of find my podcast and um, it's funny because Lucina is a small world is Cam's cousin and like after I had her on my podcast he was like oh that was my cousin and then he did an did a, um, episode with her too
1: oh that's amazing that would have been good fun just to bounce off two different people
0: and yeah yeah exactly so um, but yeah small world so um, yeah that's that's what I was asking about the about the about the sport too because we we try and talk about American sports so you know if you did ever want to jump in and have a have a chat about you know just some sports you know we can do that
1: yeah, I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to keep up on things, man. It's, as much as I can, I think I'm 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 more up on whatever's happening in UFC and boxing, probably more so than anything.
0: Well, that's good. You know, it's you know technically it's American sports. So
1: yeah, I'm watching hip hop battles too. I'm watching the Versus thing. So I'm watching Jadakiss, you know, Us. battling with you know Dipset, and so I'm, I'm watching things here and there, but. Uh yeah definitely man I would be keen on sitting around and and talking ch- chatting up some sports and and seeing uh seeing what's the haps <laughs> for sure <laughs>
0: nice man well yeah I really appreciate you uh taking some time to to have a chat today was there anything else you kind of wanted uh to, to talk about before we kind of wrap things up
1: no no nothing off top man I I think I'm I've I've said a a lot of gems here and there that I felt like I wanted to try to oh, Get out, and it just sort of happened naturally in the conversation. So, I'm I'm just grateful to to be able to talk to you, man, and 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 just have the privilege of being able to speak and salutes to you for you taking a chance on yourself, doing this podcast, you know, and 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 just creating something. Everybody starts from just doing something, just trying, you know. So, starting, to, yeah. So, I, I think I froze up for a second there. Yeah stuck like that for like 10 seconds still
0: good still good <laughs> yeah no i, pre- I, pre- I appreciate you reaching out
1: uh thank you man i was gonna start the podcast with me frozen i was just gonna be like this and see if you'll catch it <laughs> <laughs> like i think we lost him <laughs> he's just <laughs>
0: yeah man well we'll definitely um maybe we'll tee up another another episode soon you know who, who knows how long we could be in lockdown so you know have some more gems to to drop
1: World is uncertain right now, for sure. <laughs> love to. Love to. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Awesome, brother. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, brother. Peace, peace. <laughs>